The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? The room is different cookie cutter、mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Rob. Oh hi, listeners. We're here to talk about Minute Eleven, in which Claudette shows up to make sure we know Lisa isn't happy. <laughs> we begin with an establishing shot of the exterior of the apartment building we've already seen. Now, a note for this scene: this was a brand new crew filming on this day, because director of photography Rafael Smaja ha- and a bunch of others had quit at the end of week five of production, and/or seventeenth day of filming. I haven't figured out how long pre-production was in there. And so he had a new crew coming in with Claudette and Lisa filming these scenes. It's the answer to the eternal question: How many days can you stand Tommy Wiseau for? If you're a director <laughs> of photography, apparently it's as long as your contract holds up. It's right up there with how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Like, and the answer is seventeen days. Yeah, there was a minimum amount of days on Raphael's contract, and as soon as it was done, he quit.、Mm. But how many licks until you quit, though? Oh, hi, Alice. Oh hi! Now officially, Raphael quit because Tommy would not hire a line producer. He just said Greg could do it because Tommy didn't know what a line producer was. But Raphael was going to quit anyway. His guaranteed time was up. Did Greg have experience before this movie started? I know Tommy really didn't. He'd done、uh, some acting stuff. He was the lead in Retro Puppet Master, and he was in. He had a mostly removed featured extra role in、um, Patch Adams. Okay. And I think some one other thing. Oh hi, by the way. Oh hi, Al, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Bunch of Al's today. Going by Al today. <laughs> today I will be Albert instead of Robert, just to make it weird. So Al, who <laughs> wants to tell us what happens in this minute? Yeah, sure. So、um, Johnny, Tommy, Johnny, Tommy walks away. Lisa goes back to sleep because apparently in this world that Tommy was crafted, that's all Lisa does is have sex with him, sleep, and be ungrateful. So she's back to action B. Then Claudette comes over and they sit down on the couch and talk about how unhappy Lisa is because she's so ungrateful because Johnny's such a great guy and she should marry him even though she's not happy and she's bored. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny's the best. So. Listening, because obviously every character who's describing Johnny is basically just Tommy Wiseau describing himself. Yeah. <laughs> listening to all of these characters describe Johnny, I really feel like if this movie were about 15 years later,、uh, Johnny would have a fedora and a neck beard, and he would say, "Ma'am." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was this is his dream, yeah. He really feels like the guy who, you know, like, look, I took you out on a date, I bought you dinner, I bought you drinks, and you didn't, you know, take me back to your house. For, you know, I did those things for you. I deserve them. You know. Yeah. He's one of those you owe me sex guys. Yes. Yeah. You owe me. You owe me things because I gave you things. Which is not true, ladies. You don't owe him anything. Truth. For the record. 
Just throwing that out there, a little PSA. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau has a very high opinion of himself and a very high opinion of Johnny. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like, like, how how would you be, not like you personally, anyone, like, be if they were writing and directing everything, like, a, a movie about that? I mean, what I mean? Like, you kind of want to heighten everything. I mean, man, if I, if I was a writer and director of a movie, I'd be like, oh, yeah, everyone loves Alice. Alice is the best. Like... <laughs> I think I would do well, the opposite. I, mean, look I don't at, know. That's weird. Yeah, I, I mean, look at Kevin Smith. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Smith, most of his movies, everyone's talking about what a fat sack of shit Silent Bob is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think I'd go this full bore yeah. and everything, yeah. but, like, it would be a little revenge fantasy. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I'm perfectly fine with you know, as an emotional response, as an emotional outlet to whatever shit you're going through, you write this screenplay. Yeah. Or I know it was originally a stage play and then a novel or whatever, where everyone talks about how great you are and the woman who jilted you is such a shrew and a bitch. It's just the fact that it got turned into a movie that, yeah. you know, fair enough, he financed it himself, but didn't have anyone in his life to say, dude, maybe you shouldn't spend all your money on this thing like someone in his life needed to be able to break it to him and say like you you are not i'm sorry to say as talented as you think what's a it's a big part of production why the star the writer and director can be the same but you need a different producer yeah if you have that trio yeah Yeah. because you need someone who is there to reel you in or make you get a rewrite like a a subtle you know what if i got the girl not you know not this yeah Yeah, because the plot is not bad yeah it's a basic story about a guy who's like his girl cheats on him right before they're supposed to get married yeah that actually spoilers he kills himself this actually was gonna get to something i was gonna talk about maybe tomorrow but let's suppose you're a writer for a studio and that studio has the option for this ip the room how would you adapt this into something that's more palatable You can save as much of it as you want. You can throw out as much of it as you want, but it's still got to be quote unquote based on the room. At the very least, in the same way that, like, you know, where the wild things are was based on the the ten page children's book and things like that. Because to me, I agree with you. The plot is not terrible. You could certainly take the basic plot points and make something better out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a basic story, you know, like girls in love with two guys, guy gets cheated on guy is upset and devastated by it guy pays six million dollars to make a movie about it Mm -hmm. it's a basic story so it's not the plot itself that's bad it's the tommy wiseau the stuff that he put in it like saying that you have cancer and you're definitely going to die and then not bringing it up ever again it's the little things that make this movie bad it's also that usually in that plot the main character, if the woman is choosing between, you know, safe, dependable, kind of boring guy and more dangerous, interesting guy, the main character is usually the woman and not one of the two guys. Yeah, right. You know, and that that's that's basically a lot of rom-coms is woman choosing between safe, dependable, boring guy and more interesting guy. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I feel like even the lighting and even sort of even some of that, the acting in this minute, like, felt very, like, Lifetime original movie 
kind of things. I could, I could definitely see it. I'm wondering if you almost have to reverse the Tommy and the Greg roles. Like, she's got the guy she's in love with, but is drawn to the guy who can take better care of her. Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. Because Greg isn't, I mean, they don't, we don't get a lot of characterization early in the film, so we don't know why she wants to be with Greg. Yeah. We never really get a sense of who he is, that that's what happened. Because Johnny's boring. Johnny is as interesting, Johnny is dull as dishwater. I think she makes that pretty clear, that, yes, he buys me things, woohoo, you know, uh, so what? Is she going to be bored when she gets, when she ends up with, well, she won't, but if she ends up with Greg, is she just going to get bored again later? Well, that's certainly a possibility, and I mean, if the movie gave more thought to her character instead of using her as a plot device, then, you know, maybe that would be something worth, you know, kind of thinking about in that way. Yeah. Uh, but as it exists, she's just a plot device to sort of show how much of a raw deal Johnny's getting in life. Yeah, it's pretty clear that at some point someone broke Tommy's heart, and this is his retelling of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't put a lot of stock in the portrayal of the Lisa character is because, yeah, if you're talking to your friend who just got dumped by someone and you don't actually know that person that dumped them, the only thing you're going to hear about the person who dumped them is what a horrible person they were for breaking your friend's heart. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I. I can't put a lot of stock in this one-sided portrayal. And this is a case where I th- a more nuanced writer would have given v- more nuance, would have given more nuance to the other important characters in the story than just she is the harpy that broke Johnny's heart, uh, who was ungrateful for all the things he got her and cheated on him. Yeah, needs someone to do a writing pass that isn't concerned about how Johnny looks. Yes, like, just beef up the other characters. And also make the dialogue sound like it was written by someone whose first language is English. Because in, in a better script, even like, Allison, you like to bring up the cancer thing, that could have an effect on Lisa's actions here. Is it like, in the face of her mom's mortality and like, she's thinking about her own future, that could affect the way she's making decisions instead of just being this one-off. Yeah. Yeah, because she could hear, if anything, I could imagine... She hears her mother say, I've got cancer, and in Lisa's head it clicks, life is too short, it could be gone at any moment, and I'm sitting here in this boring relationship when there's this other guy who's a lot more interesting and who sets my heart aflutter whenever I see him. I should go after him instead. Yeah. Instead of this boring-ass guy that I'm about to marry. As for nuance, though, there is a good example of, I potentially nuance here. (laughs) Lisa says, I'm not feeling good today. If she's talking about like her mental health or physical well-being, she should say, I'm not feeling well today, but she's not feeling good today because today's the day she's going to do something bad. Like she's not feeling good about her life. And so it's a different kind of sense in the wording. Could just be a translation error. Of course, we already talked about that last minute, but it does also potentially mean something more than what, it at first sounds like. Mm-hmm. So should we walk through the minute? Oh yeah, I'm, I mean, I I kind of did just like a half-assed walk through it. Basically, they sit down on the couch and talk. But yeah, it's a bunch um, of dialogue. I mean, if we want to blow by blow through their conversation a little, we could do that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, they don't they don't just sit down on the couch and talk. 
mom's stage directions, like, out loud. All right, Mm -hmm. we are going to walk over here. All right, here's the couch. Now we're going to sit, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, which I just thought was the most amazing thing. Join me over here on stage left at the couch. Absolutely. That's how normal people talk, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have I been doing it wrong my whole life? When you don't have a director telling you to do it. (laughs) Yeah, you have to make sure you face out whenever you're monologuing so that the people can see you when you're having your scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm kind of surprised she wasn't like, oh, Lisa, face out. (laughs) (laughs) Although, given this is a new crew on this day, there are some better shots of, like, back-and-forth close-ups here. They're not always framed well, but they are trying. Like, they get, they cut to Claudette, cut to Lisa, and you get a lot of coverage for this minute. Yeah, I will say the lighting in this scene is not terrible. It's... Like from a technical it's perspective, it's yeah. From a technical perspective, it's probably the best part of the movie. I think, like it's reasonably competent. Not not very yeah. interesting, but but it's fine. Which is is probably more than you can say for a lot of the other stuff in the movie. It's dark in that room. <laughs> yeah. What time of the day is it supposed to be? We don't know. It's probably like evening time. Well, she's no. It's earlier than that because she's still got time for Mark to come over, right? Mm-hmm. In a couple minutes, so depending on how Tommy's day is going. Yeah, I mean, it's blinding bright outside, so. Is she wearing lingerie? Maybe she's in that um, aforementioned in the script that when they call it revealing nighty or something like that. No, this is her red shirt scene, right? And she just put on like a camisole over it. Now, Claudette uh, specifies that Lisa has known Johnny for five years. Later, Johnny will say he gave her seven years of his life. I gave you seven years of my life! Which could just be a metaphor, of course. Like she's taking years off of his life by doing all of this. Given how, um... Lisa is 21. Wow. Uh, that, that makes this even more uncomfortable. <laughs> but I was going to say, given how, um, some of the things in this movie are not so competently done, is it possible that two years are actually meant to pass during the events of this movie? You could make... Well, they haven't yet... Suppose it's been a two-year engagement. Yeah, they did cut the line from this from the opening scene about how long it is till they get married. So oh. it's possible. You could make that argument and that like a lot of more time passes and this her affair with Greg isn't just like over the course of three, four days. Mm-hmm. Or Claudette's losing her mind because of the cancer. Mm. She might not know what year it is. Yeah, I think that that's more with brain tumors. Yeah, I, th- I thought she had breast cancer, so I wouldn't think. Yeah, it's, it's breast cancer. So. Yeah, so that, 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 that that's where it spread from that the too brain. Much effect on... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Unless it's spread from the breast to the brain. You think the writer knows how it that works? It walked down to her breasts from her brain. Yeah. Okay, that was a little Christopher Walken-y, but um, <laughs> still... But it's a, you can't really do a wrong Tommy Wiseau impression. <laughs> Just do a voice. You're you're somewhere. Yeah. My impression capabilities are very low. I can do like that weird Marilyn Monroe thing that I did, and I can go like, rawr, rawr. yeah, the demon voice, Demon Allison, and that's like it. That's like it. <laughs> yeah. No. 
So I admire anyone who has the capabilities to do an impression. Yeah, no, I'm just not like, hello, Lisa. Like, all right, if you think any accent will work. <laughs> hello, mate. Hello, I mean, mate. Even that, that's not terrible. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau's accent doesn't seem consistent through the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing you just talked about makes it a, like even more uncomfortable. The the idea that Lisa's 21 here. Yeah. Whether five years or seven years, ignoring the fact, which is a pretty big ignoring, that Johnny's generously in his 40s. Uh, so theoretically would have been getting to know her when she was a minor. She entered into this relationship when she was barely an adult at best. Right. And... After a couple of years, she's saying, you know, yeah, you know what? I'm bored with being his kept woman. Yeah, and she realizes she wants something else. She essentially is a kept woman of an older, richer man and has decided she's bored of it. Fair enough. You know what? Fair enough. Yeah, she might even change her mind in the future. Yeah. But, but do you think that he's playing himself in his mind? He's playing himself as someone in his 40s or like kind of relating to the last minute where i'm just like maybe he thinks he's 28 like <laughs> yeah it's yeah. possible johnny is supposed to be closer to her age but given like i'm 21 too you yeah. know he is a successful air quotes uh banker <laughs> who has taken in the 18 year old denny and pays his rent so he's doing pretty well mm-hmm. and he that's not early 20s you know, he's not no. the same age. No. There's no way that you could be, I won't say no way, but it's a lot less likely that you would be that financially successful and independent at Lisa's age at this point in time. So it's hard for me to go with anything other than Johnny is, like I said, generously in his 40s, if not older. Well, Tommy at this time would have been uh in his 40s, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. John, but Johnny, yeah. If he was brilliant at business or at banking, maybe he's in his early thirties, but he's still at least a decade older than Lisa's supposed to be. Yeah. And it's still, though, even, even if he's only a few years older than her, you know, he basic, she basically got into a relationship, like at about the earliest age she legally could, she got into a relationship with an older, more uh, financially independent man who buys her lots of nice things and quote unquote takes care of her. And she has decided now that she is bored with that life. She's bored with being, you know, this kept woman, this, this thing that, that he, this possession that he has at home, you know, I, I honestly, I have Actually, analyzing the plot, I have very little problem with her motivations. Yeah, we were talking about how to improve the script. Maybe a big part would be to make her the lead. Yeah, honestly, you know what? You can... I was going to say you can... The script kind of is A Doll's House by Henrik Ibsen. She can still end up making the wrong choice later and it ends badly, but yeah. make her the lead. Yeah. It's A Doll's House by Henrik Ibsen, basically. Yeah. She is the kept woman at home with her paternalistic partner who dotes on her and who does and who treats her, you know, so quote unquote chivalrously and uh, gives her yeah, everything her, that she wants and she's bored with it. 
Anything for my princess. <laughs> Let this princess out of her tower. <laughs> yeah. Or I was I was gonna say, I mean, either make her the lead or have it like follow three of them. You know, like like I mean, one at a time. Like you know, each point mm-hmm. of view, and it says, you know, Lisa, Johnny, you yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah. Like that, yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting because it would be three different perspectives. Because there are, mm-hmm. well, depending on how many people there are, the saying is that there are three sides to every story his side, mm-hmm. her side, yeah. and the truth. Yeah. yeah. His side, her side, and Greg's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so there's four sides to this story. <laughs> right? So then maybe like a, almost, if, if you did almost like a Rashomon t- style of, uh, yeah. Uh, thing where like when we're seeing Johnny's perspective, yeah, Lisa's this vile, ungrateful woman who, you know, like I give her everything and then she just cheats on me and fucks my best friend behind my back willy nilly. And when we see her side of the story, Johnny is the most milk toast, bland, just like, oh, great, honey. Roses. That's that's so wonderful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're such a successful banker. Oh, that's great. Tell me all about it. That's wonderful. But then Greg comes over, and Greg is this dashing, you know, this dashing, like, Han Solo figure who's just so exciting and interesting to see. And, you know, like you said, yeah, the, if you took this basic plot, there are a lot more interesting takes on it. The other thing I was thinking of that might be a weird kind of alternate take on this would be, like, a weird sort of version of the movie Wild Things. Like lean into the the soft this almost softcore porn aspect of it where there's where there's like all these sex scenes and shit. But then like the movie's really about this like hyper manipulative woman that like is manipulating this one guy against his best friend and has some sort of ulterior motive. And then at the end of the movie, once he kills himself, like or something, we find out that oh, actually she's his beneficiary and or something like that. Hmm. You know. Just a kind of a different take on it, but I also feel if you did something like that, you'd probably have to cast more attractive actors. If you're gonna have sex scenes like that, that's the thing that really struck me with this movie, cause I just watched it last night. It was, I was very late to this party. I, I was struck by the fact that, like, these people are kinda average looking. Like, yeah, obviously Tommy Wiseau's got, you know, some good muscles, but yeah. he's also got a face like a bag of hammers and, yeah. Like, Greg was the only one that I looked at and said, like, he looks like most actors. Mm-hmm. When they recast Lisa, this she wasn't originally Lisa. Right. Mm-hmm. They, the original Lisa quit slash got fired. When they were recasting, there was a bed in the room when people came in to audition. Oh, so that might have scared off some of the, like, more oh, God. experienced actresses or some that thought they could do better than whatever this was. Oh, geez. And as as we're learning now with all the Weinstein stuff coming out and stuff like that, right. the, the whole casting couch thing is not as much of a myth and a fantasy as some of us might have liked to pretend it was. So I'm sure the, right. the women who had some more experience looked at that and said, uh-uh. Not worth my paycheck. And the auditions were weird. Tommy would just tell people the he'd have the actress come in and says, okay, your friend just said she has cancer. He wouldn't give them lines. They just have to react <laughs> in some way. And he's like, Jeez. what are you talking about? He told uh, Philip Haldeman when he came in to audition for Denny, okay, these two people are on the couch. And there were two people on the couch. And says, okay, act crazy. <laughs> it's like, what do you do with that? Yeah, what does that mean? You do a crazy dance? Like, do you want me to attack them? Do you want me to... Do you want me to 
scream and jump? You want me to? I, I don't know. Eat an I, apple. Uh, eat an apple, but How do it crazy. with a Kubrick stare. What do you? What, exactly. What do I do? Should I do the Britney Spears head shave? How crazy yeah. are we going here? <laughs> <Shave my head. laughs> then you get the part. Yeah, at the audition, Hi. you shave your head live. Do nothing, and then when he says, "Why aren't you acting crazy?" You say. Because crazy people look just like everybody else. Tommy wouldn't believe that. Ooh, you never no. He likes crazy. old melodramas. You know, crazy yeah. comes out on the outside. I mean, it's probably good as an exercise. I just imagine it's like steal stuff from my, you know, because I saw, I saw a disaster artist, you know, steal stuff from acting classes, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's interesting. But when you're auditioning for a specific role, you should have some dialogue. You should know who the character is. Yeah. As an improv exercise, yeah, it's great. Walk in here, these two people are having a conversation. Be crazy. Like, okay. You know, jump up on the couch like Tom Cruise. Yeah, and if your movie is going to be largely improv, then yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, auditions that are like improv exercises, you know, are, are great to do. But I mean, as we've sort of touched on in a lot of way, ways here, he didn't know what he was doing. No. So it it isn't surprising that even his audition process is, is bad. Yeah. What did you think of the movie The Disaster Artist? Did you like it? I liked it, yeah. I mean, I think it was getting... Oscar buzz and you know things like that. So I don't know if it was necessarily up to that level, although interesting, you know, thing for, for Tommy. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fine, you know. Yeah, Tommy's an interesting guy, and I can imagine you show up to the audition process and you have this really wealthy, intimidating-looking, somewhat intimidating-looking, controlling, I imagine to some extent, guy, and you have a bed in the room, and he's telling you, you "Act crazy." I believe the phrase you're looking for is Tommy's a great guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is when, when you're the, when you basically have one person who is the writer and the director and the producer and the star, the entire screenplay is essentially just talking about what a great guy he is. This entire thing is essentially his masturbatory session, essentially. His sort of kind of biopic. Yeah. 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 It's like a, you can see his ego throughout the film. This guy's successful. He's good looking. Everyone likes him. Mm -hmm. And everyone else is, well, Lisa mm. is the B-I-T-C-H yeah. that broke his heart. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, yeah, I've, I've made things when I was at emotionally low points, which it sounds like uh, Tommy Weasel was when he made this, but... <laughs> At some point, I also looked at them when I had a little clearer head and went, oh, actually, uh, this is shit. Yeah, this um, whole movie is basically just him venting. <laughs> venting out his anger on a script. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is him. It is him venting and then having enough money to pay people to film it. Yeah. And it would be a lot more interesting if it was focused on Lisa. Because there are some things I would like yeah. to see her reaction to, you know? Yeah. Namely... The suicide at the end, you just sort of see him kill himself and you don't really see the full extent of her reaction. Yeah. No, she seems more upset that Greg walks away. Yeah, because it's not – the movie isn't about her. She's not a character. She's a plot device. She exists solely to bring Tommy, Tommy Johnny to a low enough point that he kills himself. And Johnny's such a great guy. Anything for my yeah, princess. Anything for my princess. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Naturally. No. I just feel like they were in two different movies, you know? I think, the, you know, she, I mean, she kind of starts, Lisa starts out kind of flat, kind of like, oh, hi, mom, which is probably like, I, you know, when I see my mom, too. Um, well, she's my mom, my apartment would probably be the same, but 
<laughs> you know, just kind of like, oh, hi, Mom. And then suddenly she's like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be bratty. And then Mom is like, you know, here are the stage directions. I'm going to guide you through like a mom. And then kind of like, the, you know, her acting, not as bad. Kind of appropriately lifetime movie-ish, <laughs> I guess. Oh, Carolyn Minot is awesome. She yeah. is putting her all into Claudette. She- and she had like a two-hour drive to set every day because she lives down in, I think, in Orange County someplace. And she was she was making an effort. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, and not to keep beating a dead horse here, but th- I've seen and heard stories about directors who are really good with actors who see things like that, who see an actor whose performance isn't consistent within one scene, and you know, sitting down with them and uh, and getting them, you know, getting them to kind of be in more of of one lane. I won't go through the entire story here, but Nathan Fillion tells the story about working. He he did he had the one scene in Saving Private Ryan, had to cry, couldn't cry. That's really all he has to do is come in. Your brothers are dead and start crying. Couldn't do it. Steven Spielberg sits down with him. They talk a little bit about motivation, so on and so forth. Come back, action, bawling his eyes out. Hmm. You know, like a good director can see when the performance isn't right and fix it and get it in line. Yeah. This, we'll come to it in a later scene, but there are some scenes where the acting and the writing and what's going on is entirely unnecessary and done badly, and Tommy specifically thought it was wonderful. <laughs> like, the the alley scene with the uh, talking about underwear and football and stuff was one of those, where he, afterward, they're like, it's fine, we don't need this scene anyway. He's like, what do you mean? It's great. Yeah, I really so. feel, it really feels like he's, that person in your intro to acting class who thinks that it's good acting because you got loud. Mm. You yelled, therefore you had emotion. Yeah, he does seem like that. And that's probably why he wasn't getting cast. Mm-hmm. In addition to he has a very specific look. Yeah. Um, he, it is, I, I won't name him, but there was one guy in our theater department who was not good. He wasn't, wasn't a good actor. You know, not saying that as something like statement of his character, just he wasn't a good actor. But like the, you know, the department couldn't tell him, look, you, you, you can't act. <laughs> we can't tell you not to sign up for the, for the classes. We can't tell you not to come out for auditions, but you can't do it. You, you, you are not good enough. Hmm. And it seems like life was telling, t- uh, Tommy Wiseau, you can't do it. You're not good enough. <laughs> And, you know, you just need, when you're in that situation, you need somebody who can not sugarcoat it for you and just tell you in such a way that you listen. Yeah. You should have read the book Save the Cat Mm. about, like, script writing. Because it says, in a movie, you introduce the hero by having them do something heroic, like saving a cat. Oh, Ah. okay. But there really is no hero in this movie. Yeah. I actually then, on a related note, I guess, since we're just sort of on this kind of a topic, uh, there's a book that I really like called uh, How Not to Write a Novel. <laughs> it, I mean, it more specifically deals with novel writing, but essentially it kind of deals with storytelling in general. And one of the things they mentioned is it's really important how you introduce a character. You know, if you introduce a character sitting on a toilet taking a shit, it's going to take an awful lot for the audience to not think of them as the shitting person. So the the first time we meet Lisa, she essentially gets a dress, has sex with him, and then talks about how much she hates him. And so it's hard for us to view her as anything other than that for the rest of the movie. Um, 
So, notes from a midnight screening. Notes from a midnight screening. Because we get an establishing shot of the apartment building again. Someone will say, meanwhile, in the same place. <laughs> but the most important midnight screening thing in this minute, it is the first instance where people throw spoons at the screen. When they walk to the couch, they walk past the table with the pictures of the spoons. Uh, and so the audience will yell spoons and throw plastic spoons at the screen. It's got to suck to be the guy whose job is to clean up after that screening. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a lot of It's like of spoons and footballs laying around their arms. Ugh, these fucking hipsters. Is it plastic spoons or, like, nice ones? It's plastic spoons. If you threw metal ones, they would actually make it to the screen and do damage. Plastic spoons rarely make it all the way up there. They end up, if you sit near the front, you end up gaining spoons throughout the night. And then the other midnight screening thing is Claudette at the end says, well, you've known him for over five years. You're engaged. You said you loved him. And she pauses. So the artist will go, and? He supports you. And? He provides for you. And? Because she keeps pausing in between these parts of her line. And so the audience loves to pick up on that with her. And then later, I think Lisa has one of those as well. Where it's a list of things in a sentence. I almost wish, at, wish after she said, you told him you loved him, she said, like, no takesies backsies. <laughs> yeah. That's what the ring meant. No takesies backsies. <laughs> no takesies backsies. Now I want to know Claudette's backstory, though, because I'm just like, is she a gold digger, too? Like, <laughs> Oh, she's had some issues with men. We'll hear about them all. <laughs> Well, a few of them. Probably not all of them. She's probably got lots <laughs> more. She will tell us all about them instead of yes. showing us. Like a good screenplay. That's who Claudette is. Yeah, she'll tell wow. us what we need to know. So, our guests again. Alex, would you like to promote anything else, or is it the same? Uh, same three things, things, I suppose. Galaxy Quest Minute, Independence Day Minute, Cleveland and Six going deep into Major League. Okay. Find them on a podcatcher near you. And Alice again. Uh, comedy in Rochester, right? Comedy in Rochester. <laughs> Come to Rochester. Whatever. I'll promote my city. No big deal. Send me tickets to California. That's my bucket list item. So. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It, me and Rob are both in California. It's so funny because when he said that she had a drive from Orange County, I wanted to go, holla. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out, OC. <laughs> Rochester. More like Ha-Chester. Am I right? Oh. oh I wish. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> what do we call it? We call it Rotten Chester? <laughs> Rotten Chester? That's yeah. so mean. I know. I know. Do you know what? I, I've never been to New York. <sighs> That's my bucket list. Is it? Oh, okay. Let's, let's switch places. Let's Freaky Friday this. Yeah, I'm like, or, I'm or like, pa- parent trap this. Please, like, you, you come to upstate New York. I go to wherever in California you are. It's just all LA. I don't know. And <laughs> we'll just do Dude, that. I'm like right next to Disneyland. <gasps> what? Do you just see celebrities every day? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I grew up in LA County though. I'm sure this will be very interesting for the listeners. I'll just fade it oh, out while you're talking about New York. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's, it's upstate, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, like New York he'll City." Ju- no, like I've been New York City twice playing. in my life. It's hours away. <laughs> Rob will just start playing the music over it, like you're trying to chase uh-huh. someone off the stage at the Oscars. They're still talking. The music comes in, play you off. Fine. Like, no, we need ten. Oh, I didn't know for still recording. I'm just talking. I don't. Whatever. Let's just. 
this is how the room was filmed. <laughs> Just keep talking. But it's not wrong when people make fun of the project, in this case, the room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening, and remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us!